It is time to strengthen your faith. Deepen your understanding of the Word of God. Move from poverty to prosperity and rest in the worldly place. Join Dr. Osara Emafai, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Gospel Church, Lagos, Nigeria, and founder of Ed John School of Management, and alumnus of Oxford University, Cranfield University, Hertfordshire University, and University of Lagos. One informative, educative, and impactful program, Wealthy Place. Join us on Foursquare. My name is Dr. Usaimo Pai, uh, the lead pastor of the Lakeview Foursquare Church in Lagos, Nigeria. It's my pleasure to welcome you to today's episode of The Wedding Place. I am continuing on that series of knowing yourself and managing yourself. Uh, in the immediate, uh, immediate past episode, I actually had to introduce you onto that uh, very important topic. Uh, onto that very important issue because uh, the most successful people on earth are known uh, to also be uh, people who can manage their own themselves, can manage their emotions, can manage, uh, you know, they can, they can actually manage all those things, their own strengths, know how to deal with their weaknesses, and know how to take opportunities. Those people, they know also how to prepare in advance for opportunities. So. So, so, so that is why the issue of managing self is so critical to everyone, whether you are a Christian, whether you are people of faith, or you are not a person of faith. Know how to manage yourself is critical to your life journey. And that's why I want to take the second part, because I want to get deeper, you know, with you on knowing yourself and then managing yourself. Okay, so as I said once again, I'm delighted. Uh, to be with us today. Now, knowing yourself will show whether you are a friendly person or an unfriendly person. Whether you are friendly or unfriendly. The scripture is very clear about those who want friends. What must they do? They themselves must be friendly. And my experience in life, John, is that you need good friends to make it in life. You need good friends. Of course, when we talk you need good friends, I mean you need good friends. So in whatever year you are, when you get onto a new year, you are in the middle of the year, you are anywhere, and you are saying, I will achieve this, I achieve this, I achieve this. It is important to recognize that you need help. Of course, as a Christian, number one help you need, you need help from is the Holy Spirit. That's where it begins. But Holy Spirit then becomes your friend. It becomes your partner. But in addition to the Holy Spirit, you also need human friends. And so I'm going to now be talking to you on relationship. Because if you have friends, you must be able to relate with them. Those that have been planted on your journey in life, for you there are people that are planted. It is that's the way nature works. That's the way the kingdom of God works. There are people always planted. Sometimes we call them angels on the way to where you are going. 
then how do you relate with those? And that's why it's important you know who you are. Know what your strengths are. So that if in that area you need help, to be friendly, to be nice, on the journey of life, to people you meet on the way, to be generous, you need help. You ask for the help. And when you ask for the help, ask for the help from above. Ask for the help from even people around you who may be better skilled in relating with people. Because, beloved, I want to let you know this. Without good friends, life can be very difficult and miserable. And that's why I'll be spending some time during this episode on your responsibility in relationship. Your responsibility in relationship. Number one is your responsibility to have the Holy Spirit as a friend. It's not the responsibility of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you, you, for, for those of you who may have, you know, understood this uh, little theology, when Jesus was going, he said, I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to remind you about things I have taught, the things that are in the Word of God, and also to help you on the way, to comfort you when you go through the trials and challenges in life. But that Holy Spirit needs to be your friend. I know a minister of God who wrote a book and talks about, uh, on the book, he said, Good Morning Holy Spirit. He wrote that book. Those who read the book will know the author of the book. I'm not here to publicize the book. But indeed, what he was trying to show there is this, is that you need to have a relationship and start your day with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. Good Morning Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very shy. Holy Spirit runs away where there is strife. Holy Spirit does not work with acrimonious people. People are always fighting for no cause. People are always thinking that they can fight with their own strength. So if you are the kind of person you can fight with your strength, Holy Spirit doesn't really come to you. But if you know you really can't do your journey in your strength, the Holy Spirit is very willing to help you through that journey. That is why you have the responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to, to become your friend. It's your responsibility to invite the Holy Spirit to be your friend. So managing friends. You know, our, we were crossing, we were doing our uh, three-day solemn assembly. The last three days of every year, in the last 20 years, we hold fasting. And for those three days, from morning till evening, you are in the church. And I remember the second day, I was the one, the speaker on the second day, because we had different ministers for different days. I had about six ministers. And I one of the speakers the second day. And I told our people, in moving to 2000, in the new year, please make sure you have good friends. And number one is the Holy Spirit. And other good friends who can help you. Now, if you want to just look at this, when I talk about good friends, as I'm moving that relationship is your responsibility. Just see between Jonathan and David, you see the kind of relationship they had. They were good friends. And that's why Jonathan has to help David. And David had to help the son of Jonathan Mephibosheth. It was based on relationship. It was based on relationship. I 
also, when I tell people this story, I remember to get to the university. I was in a polytechnic, a monotechnic, you know, in, uh, you know, in a monotechnic. And somebody came to me and said, don't you know that this a particular university, that was University of Nigeria that time, was going to start admitting students in Calabar. And that I want to bring you a form. I said, you can go. He brought two forms. He gave me one, he took one. I applied. I was admitted, he was not admitted. I never saw him again. I never really know, I can never, I can't remember who he is. I can't remember his face. But God just planted him there on the way, a good friend, to help me to be to go be on my path of destiny. So that was going to university. Okay, what about when I was in the university? And I needed, and, and they said a scholarship available, and uh, I applied for scholarship. And when I was going to do the interview, they invited me. I didn't have the money. It was five naira in those days. Somebody gave me the five naira, and I went, and I got the scholarship. Good friend. And I got scholarship. He didn't get the scholarship. The fellow who gave me the phone to go to university did not get admission to the university. And then you move on from there. There was also an issue that was legal, a legal issue that I had to call concerning us. And somehow, I met with this very lovely lawyer who then stood for us in court. And we won the case. After that, I wanted to now appreciate that lawyer. Today, I appreciate that lawyer. I never saw her again. I tried. I never saw her again. That was also the same thing when I was going to buy a house. This old fellow helped me to get bank funding to buy this property. After that, I wanted to go and say thank you. I never saw her again. So you see, beloved, in our life journey, there are people who are planted on our way. But when do we drive them away when we get to the point where they are? It depends on if you know yourself and you take yourself, hold yourself responsible for the relationship you build. You find that you can navigate the life journey knowing exactly that it's your responsibility. Because for everyone, there is peace at the top. For everyone. It depends on whether you take the space or not. It depends on whether people that are lined up with the journey to help you whether you drive them away, you're raven away, or whether indeed you are nice to them. Now, you see, in that relationship, I was talking about relationship, it's important you know your strengths, like I said earlier, and the values that you carry. I'll be spending some time on those values. I'll talk on values because values are very critical to life. Spend a little more time and digging deep on values. Now, this other point about communication, because sometimes we live a life of presumption. Oh, this man will understand what I'm talking about. This, my friend, should know what I'm talking about. You'll be very presumptuous. It is your responsibility to communicate with clarity who you are, what you represent, what values you espouse. And not just what value you espouse, the value that you live. 
And then to be able to attract people to yourself whom you might just need on that journey. So it's your responsibility to communicate, even in the home. Sometimes spouses actually run into problems because they don't study the partner. They don't try to take time to know themselves and then to be able to look at their strengths to complement you know, the partner's areas of weaknesses and also activate even their own strengths. They do not communicate. They assume that the partner should know that they love each other. The love will never come out from their mouth. You know, and they said, you know, you know, I, I love you. Love is not an issue that you keep on the inside. Love is something you verbalize. So it's important, it's your responsibility. Verbalizing love is a part of that communication that is required. And love is not just even about your spouse. It's also about the people you work with. How do you demonstrate it? How do you verbalize it? How do you show it? How do you demonstrate it? Is it just by saying or by actually living? Now, you know, the value, the value system, the values as I, you know, when I talk about values, it's very dear to my heart about issue of values in managing yourself. Values have intersection with ethics. In days where people are very, very unethical in the world. So many people are very unethical. So that is when you then find people live life of, uh, in, uh, in cubicles. They live lives in cubicles. You know, life in cubicles are, somebody will tell you, somebody who's supposedly a Christian, that we come onto having a contract of business with you. And we then say, listen, here, we are talking about business. We are not talking about Jesus here. Business is business. Jesus is Jesus. When we get to church, we do brother. When we get here, it's dog eat dog. It's sharks eating sharks. Or eating, you know, the small, the small, the, the small uh, animals and all that. So those kinds of, you know, uh, you know, in cubicles. He said, my life, he lived in silos. That is what I was looking for. Not just they live their life in silos. So their family life is different the way they live in their home. They could be like tiger and tigress at home. When they get to church, they could look like a saint. When they get onto business, is the winner take all, the violin. And you know, so many people live their life that way. And so when you begin to look at values, it's not just in terms of value you espouse in church. It's not the value you espouse, whatever. Do you leave those values in church? Do you leave it every single day when you are out doing business or relating with other people? That is what I, by the grace of God, I've been teaching for quite some time on boundaryless. By the grace of God, so many ministers who benefited from that teaching on boundaryless. In other words, boundaryless is a value system that says, there is what I am at home, is what I am in church, is what I am in business, is what I am anywhere I go. There are no cubicles. There are no silos. One flows into the other. I do not need to change my mindset when I leave my home every day to go out to do business. 
Is it business of God or business with God or business with anybody? For me now to change my mindset when I do that, no. So, but there are those whose lives revolve around those kind of thinking. When you do business, business. It doesn't care who else is God. If I'm in the church, yes. And so they don't, they actually are unable to live onto the fullness of their potential. Whereas those who live a boundaryless life, there are no boundaries. And then you carry values that are ethical. Values that build. Values that provide solution to society. Values that exalt, will exalt. Values that lift people up. When you espouse those values, you then find invariably you leave those values, then you're on your way. Managing yourself to the wedding place. Because the wedding place is a journey, you know. We, I, you know, in the very, very first episode of uh, the wedding place, you remember I defined wedding place as a place of abundance and overflowing glory of God. Superabundance of overflowing glory of God. And so there's a journey to that place. And in that journey, there are also crowns associated, you know, and there are five crowns. And I also told us about the grace required in each of those levels of the worthy place. And when you then look at the two dimensions of the worthy place, the eternal and the earthly dimension of the worldly place. So in whatever way you look at it, beloved, it's important to recognize that your values are critical in the way you manage yourself to achieving purpose. Purpose on earth, the earthly purpose, and of course the eternal, the eternal purpose. So, and let me just take a little more points on that. What do you see as your most important responsibilities? You see, because I'm talking about values now and I just shared, what do you think are your most important responsibilities on earth? That helps you to define your relationship with people, your relationship with God. It helps to define your relationship, even with yourself, your spouse and your children. For living your purpose or living ethical life, a life, ethical life, what do you see as your most important responsibilities? What do you hold sacred? Something that you hold so sacred that cannot be violated. And those things set boundaries for what you take and what you do not take. It set boundaries for your character. It sets boundaries for your attitudes in life. Now, you may be working in an organization, whether it has to do, organization has to be into food, it has to be into, organization may be a spiritual one, uh, it could be. Now, your values and ethics, are they are they, are they in alignment with the values of the organization? 
Ah, or is there a divergence between your own values and the values of the organization you work for? So you may hold a value about how to treat the opposite sex. And you then work in an organization where the CEO must have almost every female in that organization as girlfriend. Your values are colliding. What do you do in that kind of circumstance? In managing yourself, in communicating who you are to people and living exactly who you are in the space that you are in. So, you see, your career is not likely to move far where there's a collision between your values and the values of the organization you work for. And so at the end of the day, it usually ends with frustration. And that's why I tend to encourage young people, when you get into organizations, try to first know what are the espoused values and what are the lived values. You know, what Agri said, Professor Agris, the convergence between the lived values and then also the espoused values. When you can then see the convergence and they are in alignment with your own, then you know that you are not going to get frustrated in that organization. But when there is a major conflict between your own values and that, because it's about managing your responsibility, I'm talking now specifically your responsibility in the relationship between you and your organization, whoever you are in your life journey. So it's very important. And so when you didn't find that that value, when the moral fiber, the moral state of the organization we are working for, for instance, they go into things in which they cheat people, you know, in which they, whatever, if you go to the scriptures, it was very, very clear about people who will use false measure to cheat. So if you don't live in an organization where people are using false measure to cheat, and you know it is wrong, if you really want to enjoy your work and not be frustrated, you must engage yourself from that place. Because your values are in conflict. They're in conflict. Do not use false measures. You see, when this is at the scripture, that's why, you know, when I teach in, uh, you know, teach in business school and teach these things, uh, sometimes, you know, some people don't want to really hear about the scriptures. And so I, I go on and call it, you know, the book of wisdom. I just give them book of wisdom. I say the book of wisdom says, and it's essentially, there's hardly any, any uh, philosophy that builds the world that doesn't have its own root in the Bible. That's why when you are the Bible, you know, the purple-driven church, uh, Saddleback, and uh, you look at uh, the gentleman who wrote that book, Purple Driven Life and Purple Driven Church, and see how exponential the church grew. I think I sold maybe 25 million uh, copies of that book in various, various, various versions. And I've read about two, I think about two versions of that book. So, so it is about, you know, value alignment, understanding your values and saying that you know, there's alignment and intercession between the values you live and the, the values of your organization. Now, now where do I belong? I want to begin to conclude with this. I want to begin to conclude with this. 
Where do I belong? I talk to me about my values. Now, in this value scope, and then taking responsibility for your values and for the way in which those values are emitted and the way you work with those values, then, of course, that will help you to define where you belong. Which space do you belong to in life? Where do I belong? Do I belong onto, you know, in the space? Do I belong to the valley? Do I belong to the mole hill? Do I belong to the valley side? Do I belong to the top of the of the of the of the valley? Do I belong to the top of the mountain? Or do I belong to the pinnacle? Which marks out someone for significance. So, so that is a, you know, the issue of strength, the issue of work style that I indicated earlier, values, because when you put all of them together, based on those qualities, in what work environment then do you then find you fit best? So, based on your values, based on your style, your work style, based on your temperament, based on your strengths, now you come to a point. In which environment am I best at in working and relating? It's your decision. Nobody can decide it for you. There are what we call primary decisions and secondary decisions. Primary decisions in life are actually made by God for us. So, God defines who gave birth to you. God defines what color you will have. God defines where you were born. I didn't choose to be born to a minority tribe in Nigeria. I didn't choose it. It was a primary choice God made for me. So those primary choices are made by the owner of the heavens and the earth. He's the king in heaven who makes primary choices for people. But there are secondary choices that you make. And that's where we all come in. Where we look at our strengths, we look at our values, we look at our style, and we bring all those onto an environment in which we can then work and derive value onto life, bring solution onto problems, and at the end of the day we can begin to live the purpose for our creation. That is what transforms people from mediocrity to become a star performer. You see, uh, Colin Samporas wrote several books. Um, and if you find time to read their books and also read their seminal articles, uh, you will find that we are told that ultimately we create our own future. We create our own future. And we create our future based on the way we work with our values and work with our strengths and work with our style, and that is the way in which we create our future. So, the fair, the secret, fair secret of effectiveness is to understand people you work with, you begin to work with, you know, and uh, in the process, you can then maximize um, your potential. This is where I bring 
this discussion to a close today, and I want to thank you for hooking on onto this. And the next time I'm coming your way, I will now be going onto the third part, the third part of managing yourself. Thank you so much. Until I come your way again, God bless you, and bye-bye.